0: Hi, welcome to Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. This podcast is a ministry of Christ Covenant Church in Atlanta, where our pastors and members dig deeper into the sermon and its text together. Our goal is to consider new questions and observations while looking at the passage so that we might more practically apply God's Word to our life. If you have a question for our pastors, please feel free to engage our text to pastor line at or if you'd like to find more resources from our church like this one please visit christcovenant.com forward slash resources thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy our sermon talk back
1: well uh, i'm joined today with jordan coughlin jennifer mcclish we uh, are still in the series life together And we're looking at some of these commands and when you really stop and think about these, I mean, you said a long time ago, Jordan, like when you kind of put the one another commands like one after the other, it's like, oh, my gosh, like I really am not like
2: this. (laughs) I I, something is wrong with me. You know, (laughs) I I
1: don't love one another. I don't humble myself before one another. I, you know, I I seek to be served all the time. I don't like to, as we talked about this week, like submit to other people. and I, th- I do think that's just very true. It just shows how, I, I would say, self-serving my heart is and how um, how natural sin comes to me and uh, how much I need God's grace to overcome that sin mm-hmm. and to live as he calls me to live. Um, but we, we kind of started this sermon there uh, on Sunday, not about maybe personal, the-, 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 the kind of self-focused personal life that we have, but just where humanism leads and where that's led in our culture. And we kind of talked about this this world that we live in where we feel pressure because if we have to get an identity for ourselves, we've, we've got to advance within our frame, our mm-hmm. moral frame, our sense of identity frame. And then we have to make sure our identity frame is advancing among all the other frames in this kind of hyper-competitive, uh, humanistic, individual world. And that leads to this high-pressure cooker situation where we don't want to pursue gentleness or patience or humility, and we certainly don't want to pursue submitting to one another. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where we went on Sunday. We talked about a lot of different things, but uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on kind of this idea on the sermon um, as we as we jump into the talk back?
3: Well, the one thing that hit me that I just really um, had a lot to think about was when um, you started out with submission as evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Um, And I just thought, wow, that really changes the whole conversation. That this is not submission based on, um, well, as a woman, I was thinking, you know, this is not anthropology. This is not like I submit because I'm a woman and because there's something like inherently um greater in, or right or, in yeah. men that they're more because we always fall all over ourselves to like say well i mean women can be leaders too they're good leaders you know some women i know are better leaders than men you know all these kinds of things like throwing that bone so to speak but then saying but you're called to submit but that's really not the basis of it that's irrelevant the point is if you have the spirit of god then you have this attitude of submission because a uh, salvation doesn't come to a person without submission. I mean, you're literally saying you are putting your faith in Christ and you're submitting to his lordship. Right. So therefore your life will be characterized by submission. And then like you pointed out, God is helpful in showing us what that should look like in these orders that yeah. he's set up.
1: I, I think one of our big problems is we 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 that that point, like we fail to see what God is doing. It's like, what yeah. do I want to do? Right. Right. What do I want to see the narrative arc of my life To become and and i do think that i mean very 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 simply that is the christian life it's it's about finding yourself not in your own story right but and where you're the center central character but finding yourself in god's story and if we find ourselves in god's story there's a calling both to the person in authority and to the person under authority and, and not one is necessarily greater than the other. And I think that's mm-hmm. your point. I mean, yeah. the, the evidence is that the spirit is filling you and that you're following God's order for things. Um, you know, it, it, greatness is in knowing the Lord. It's not like in my earthly position or whatever right. the earth is telling me um, might be the best position. Yeah. Um. And that's where I think we've, we're so messed up. We, we are so, you know, one of the things that we've talked about when people, you know, come to these verses like Ephesians five twenty one, and it says, "Submit to one another." You know, wives to mm-hmm. husbands. People say, so, "Well, it's just contextual, right?" Right. First century. Well, mm-hmm. that statement—if you've ever heard somebody say that—that that statement assumes that you're not currently in a context, right? <laughs> like you're 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 saying that as if you've been freed from contextualization, and if you are the one that can see it plainly, and obviously we are in a current context, and our mm-hmm. current context says that this is power and this is identity and this is. You know, if we were living in a different context, where the one in authority—and actually, if you look at the instruction for the one in authority—it's not like this this glamorous, easy place to be. It's right. a place of sacrifice and service and yeah. and uh, this self giving uh, nature. And so, I, I that that whole like contextual argument obviously doesn't really hold up when you when you start to think about it. Um, it, it assumes something that's not true. And I think a lot of the reasons that we press against it is actually the context that we find ourselves in,
2: not understanding the beauty of God's design and what he's laying forward. Right, yeah, and we tend to read back our culture into scripture rather than allowing scripture to speak into the the situation that we find ourselves in. And I, I mean, I loved your point that you ended with, you know, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mm. And that even as you traced out the book of Ephesians, this is ultimately first and foremost a submission to the authority of the lord who then calls us to submit in these this good order that he has created and i think that's so helpful i mean that that's that's oftentimes what how we'll frame you know my wife and i when we do counseling with uh, married couples that's how we'll frame submission is like both of us are actually Seeking to submit to the Lord. That's right. Yep. Right. And and that's vitally important. Because Absolutely. if we just if we just keep it on a interpersonal plane, then we have to deal with all these cultural challenges, right? right. Of abusive power right. and, you know, empowerment of whatever minority group or yeah. women or whatever. And it just becomes very confusing.
3: And if you zoom out even further, you can see that God, the fact that he ties it to Christ. He honors submission. It's beautiful. Yes. It yes. reflects who He is and His glory. And there's a nobility in it. And it's like, why are we falling all over ourselves to to uh, explain it away, right? Um, or make it more palatable to us? We're missing this something, this dignity and honor that God is conferring on us and calling us to these structures.
1: I think that is so so important. And and I hope if you're listening to this, like you're you're understanding what we're saying here. When you look at the Godhead, I mean, two things on this. When you look at the Godhead, um, there is an order about the Godhead. Yet each member—Father, Son, Holy Spirit—we talked about this in the sermon—are equal in their very essence. But you know, the Son is willing to submit to His Father's will. The, the Spirit is willing to proceed from the Father and the Son. But I mean, I just think about the the, the confessions of the Church Fathers. I mean, they're they're so adamant to say. We're talking about equal essence here. God of God, light of light, very God of very God, right. being of one substance with the Father, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're trying as hard as they can to say, these are all equal parties here. Yet there's an order about the Godhead that that is doing something, that is bringing about a certain glory. And what God has called us to is he's saying, in the same way, I want you to be reflective of that. It's not that one of you is more important than the other. It is that in the way that you operate with different strengths Uh, and different personalities and different gifts, the way you operate together uh, within my order, it actually brings about something that is so good and so beautiful and so right. Mm -hmm. And our challenge of that, I think, really is evidence that we're not taking on a Godward sense of worth and dignity and nobility because God himself, Jesus himself submits to his father as well. The spirit himself proceeds from the father and the son. We're not taking on a God- framed value system we're taking on a secular framed value system which does say get as much authority as you can get and then abuse everybody underneath you Mm -hmm. I mean that's really what the secular world would say and so of course if that's your understanding of what this is saying I reject that too. Yeah. Like, of course I reject a secular understanding of authority. Yeah. Of course I understand a secular understanding of submission, which which has everything to do with, with an individual person's value, which has everything to do with an individual person's sense of selfhood or That's worth. Right. Mm-hmm. That is not what the Bible is talking about. This is a God-framed sense of value and worth. So if you're reading secularity into the Bible, I would reject that notion of what it's saying, also, but yeah, that's just not that's, so good. that's not what it's that's not what the Bible is talking about here. That's not what it's calling us to, as you said, Jennifer. This is evidence of a spirit-filled life, yeah.
3: right? So, why is this so hard? Well, <laughs> I
1: think I think because we're secular people, we're sinful people. We 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 yeah. we we operate the way that we're talking about. We don't operate in a Godward way, right? Uh, you know, I mean, from the very beginning. If you look at um, like Genesis two, right? When creation of Adam and Eve, creation of woman, um, there was no strife between them, right? Mm-hmm. There was harmony, everything was right. God looked, everything He's made, it's very good. Mm-hmm. There's perfect harmony in the world, right? Even though in Genesis two, and I've actually seen a lot of current scholarship that's trying to question this and it's just totally ignoring the text. It's It's, it's ignoring what's obvious in the text the the in genesis 2 before sin the, the bible says that for the man i will make a helper fit for him i will create this kind of relationship within marriage of you have adam head of the home and then you have a helper to come alongside him. I've heard somewhere recently, you know, somebody translated the word Ezer, which is the Hebrew word for helper as like great warrior or something. It's like, no, it's just like ridiculous kinds of things. Yeah. And so no, it, it, but, but that the, the the idea of helper again is not an idea that that person has no strengths or no gifts. Um, In fact, we were talking about this the other day about just how like when you, when you kind of frame your life is okay. I am in a family and I am called to be a helper to the husband that the Lord has given me, actually both of you can use your gifts in a much better way to advance the whole of the family. Family, yeah. Yeah.
3: No, we've Mm -hmm. seen that over and over. And I think like, especially in conflict where I could see something that, you know, Matt, where I think, I could do this better. (laughs) Like, I understand this more. I like, I should take the lead here or whatever. Or, and then, you know, it's like, what are you gonna do with that? Um, And of course I can come down hard and pound on him and, you know, just like come with the full force of all of, you know, my personality and strengths, but that doesn't get, you know, that doesn't motivate anyone that just puts you into like a a terrible situation that's bad for the whole family. Like no one is flourishing there. (laughs) That's right. Um, But then when I see that, no, okay, I have strengths. This isn't like submission is not just acquiescence where I just like Say yes to everything Matt thinks, but I literally yes, okay. I have thoughts, I have insights, I have strengths, yeah. but if I bring those to him as a helper, where I'm like, all right, what does my husband need right now? Does he need exhorting? Does he need uh, rebu- rebuking in a in a loving way? Yeah. Does he need truth and love? Does he need just encouragement? Does he need prayer? Like, but that totally changes which the the whole dynamic, and then you actually do have. Lead. you have authority being exercised you have submission and you have flourishing right, for right. everyone because we're part of a team right. and I've seen it happen over and over and over again where I'm like yes okay this this is the way God's that's way right. That's right. is the best and yeah. I, I think that's another thing just that this whole submission and authority thing like what you said about we talked about this earlier that authority is about service and submission is about attitude and that is ultimately what I'm changing not yeah. My personality, not checking my brain at the door, or any of my experience. I'm just coming with a different attitude.
2: Yeah. And you you mentioned flourishing. I mean, I I think that's what's so beautiful about the garden is you have this one flesh relationship where two separate people come together in a one flesh relationship and there is now to be mutual flourishing. Mm. And you know, I, I have heard this wrongheaded idea from single men primarily, but I think it's the case with single women too, that marriage primarily exists for someone else to come on hit onto my wagon of mm-hmm. my life. Yes, so yeah. I can live my best life, and they can yes. kind of support me as I do that. Yeah, and it's like, no, actually, <laughs> marriage is coming together, and now we are to be about the mutual flourishing of one another. So I am called to actively and intentionally seek the flourishing of my wife tally mm-hmm. and she's called to do the same for me and that's the sacrificial love and the mutual roles that we're called to as as christians and followers of jesus that we can we can just miss again from this like secular framework and idea of what authority leadership is in you know opposition to submission or helper you know whatever right
3: right and i love that you highlighted that that's how it was in the garden and then of course we have the fall and then you have these god tells us what the struggle is going to be particularly in marriage with you know wives wanting to usurp like well basically in every like we want to upend the order that's right. right constantly and that just the beauty of this what god is giving us here in ephesians is that he is setting us free again, that submission is freedom. It's returning you back to his order where we're going to exercise authority in the way that honors him. We're going to submit in the way that honors him. People are going to flourish again. I mean, this is God's redemptive plan playing out in our marriages, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our churches.
1: Right. I mean, in in that kind of war, I mean, again, every Every organization, I mean, everybody knows this, has some structure about it. And when people trust the structure and understand their role within the structure, there is flourishing within the organization. Mm -hmm. When everyone is fighting about what the structure should be, that is the kind of strife that rips organizations apart, rips families apart. Um, And that is is exactly what we see in Genesis 3.16, when the cursing comes along. That is the that is this strife between the husband and the wife your desires will be contrary to your husband's right so mm-hmm. for the first time ever the 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 one fleshness of marriage the the one new body i mean that you mentioned yeah. kind of the the single man and the single woman. well that's actually the opposite of what paul's talking about in ephesians 5 right He he's saying to the husband, look, don't, don't you realize that, right. that there's this whole other body that you're a part of now? Yeah. It's not just your body that you've gotta be concerned with. That's right. You and her have become one body. And so you don't get praised when you take care of your body because it's <laughs> your body. We're mm-hmm. creating this new one fleshness, which is a part of the mystery of marriage. But how reflective is that of the nature of God, mm-hmm. right? I would say that the the best Trinitarian example analogy uh, that we have is actually marriage. Now mm-hmm. people kind of balk at that mm-hmm. because we've never really seen a perfect marriage, except mm-hmm. for the McClishes. <laughs> but you know, but other, but other than the McClishes, <laughs> it's like hard to understand. Like, okay, wait, you're saying that that's how God and Jesus, that's right. how the Trinitarian nature relate to each other. But I actually think that is the analogy of marriage. It's like, okay, you have two individual persons, yeah. different gifts, different personality. Uh, doing different things, but they are one. They have come together as one, equal in essence, and then together there is mm-hmm. this mutual flourishing. To what you were talking about earlier, Jordan, and also, and I think this is—you know, see this in the Bible. There's mutual exaltation. Like mm-hmm. it, it, yeah. it, it, it is good. For yep. the, God is pleased with the couple, right? And then hopefully the whole family. And
3: you're no longer enslaved to serving yourself that now you are willingly... And I do think that's one element of submission that's really important. It's willing. It's Uh a willing submission. But you're willingly choosing to be about the other or about the unit or the family. You are now no longer a slave to just your own appetites and your own desires and taking care of number one. You're more free than you've ever been because you're choosing not to be for yourself. You're choosing to submit or to exercise authority in a way that serves another it's very other focused. that's
1: a really great point i mean and i was trying to talk about that a little bit in the beginning of my sermon on sunday we 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 have this mythology of the coming of age narrative Mm -hmm. you know i'm gonna go build this great identity for myself and actually what we're seeing is people are less free thinking and more uh you know less open-minded yeah. than they've ever been because they've just found themselves in a more oppressive frame than they've ever had before. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do want to just say, because I, I want to talk about parenting. I want to talk about, um, maybe the church, maybe politics. And we got a lot to talk about today, but, <laughs> um, I, I do want to say, I think that, and I said this at the sermon at the end, I, I do think that the the thing that makes it so hard is that um we have seen people abuse this mm-hmm. with and I'll say this with a secular mindset. This yeah. I'm gonna advance myself, I'm gonna have people come into my way. So with a secular mindset, but in the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. use the Bible yeah. to like beat my wife. Let's just use that as an example, submit woman or whatever. Yeah. And that's serving a self-centered, godless heart because that's never what God is calling the person in authority to. In fact, God's always calling the person in authority toward service, toward losing their life. And so I'm going to use the Bible... In order to serve myself, and I, I just want to say that is a damnable appet- attitude yes. mm-hmm. um, that does not please the Lord and yeah. is not evidence of a spirit-filled life. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, if if that if that's what you've seen, if that's how like this has been represented to you, yeah. that is a total misrepresentation. Of what the Bible says. And 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 I think that's caused so much of this confusion. That's some of the reason that we don't trust this. You know, I I've read a few books recently kind of challenging this worldview. And all of them, there's three books that in particular, all of them cite 2016 when the Access Hollywood tapes came out. Donald Trump, if you all remember this, he basically was bragging about uh abusing women. And and I'm not this is not a political statement, and you know I understand people made political decisions, but you know so we can save those political conversations for another day but um but the 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 inexcusable uh, language that Donald Trump was using in those videos um was so offensive and so horrendous, and I think a lot of our sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm saw Christian ministers, and again, I I think people made different political decisions, and I understand this is more Mm -hmm. complex than this, but I think people saw Christian ministers in order to advance kind of their own political ideas, uh, basically covering over that offense Mm -hmm. and acting as if it wasn't a big deal. And I think that that there, uh, the inability of, I would say, godly men and maybe women To call out sin and a total misrepresentation of God's economy for what it was has so hurt people and understandably so that it's created an even greater level of confusion. And so, when we get this wrong, right, there's evidence of a spirit filled life, but when we get this wrong, um, there's so much damage in the wake of it, and Mm -hmm. um. Uh, and I, I really believe that some of the confusion that's even happening now. I mean, you yeah. know, I read these books; they all three cited that incident, and these are very three different authors. I mean, it's very interesting how and 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 that's not the only. I mean, that's obviously not the only example of a, right. of abusive right. power, right? Um, but it is this kind of abusive power that so disorients God's design, so so distorts, I would say, God's design to people as they are trying to learn what God's way is. And so, let this be a charge to us yeah. to. Take these calls to a spirit-filled life seriously. Well, yeah, because really about what God has designed.
2: It's so confusing and it's so damaging, and mm-hmm. you know that to your point is cause for us to reconsider. Okay, how are we? How are we addressing these issues? And you know, I think what what I'm encouraged by is that you also have godly men and women who are going back to the Bible and mm-hmm. saying, "Wait a second, that's not just wrong from a secular standpoint. That's not God's design, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And and so it's a it's not a pendulum swing. It's a call to men of no. This is actually what God calls men to be within you know yes. in, in their relationships with women in particular. Um, so that's encouraging, and that and that I mean that that is the call to us, right? As Christians, we don't first look to the world. We don't pendulum swing. We go back to the Bible. Um, because to your point, like th- all of these structures are for the purpose of flourishing mm-hmm. for our lives, right? Mm-hmm. God's good order and structure in this world. and it's the abuse of those things that cause the strife. It's the abuse yes. of those things that damage it's it's not God's good order mm-hmm. and and that's where we as Christians need to do the hard work of intelligently going to scripture and mm-hmm. seeing, okay, what is? The flourishing that's supposed to happen here, mm-hmm. and how can we do that?
3: And I think, on in addition to that, that's so important to do in community and to be a part of your local church. And to, as you're talking about these things in your community group, yes, you're going back to the Bible, but you're also um, not just spouting, you know, like your people that you follow on Instagram and who's saying what or this book or that book, but you're honoring one another. You're coming in humility. And there's, there's, that's where like real understanding and more working out of this beauty is going to happen. I think these things are so complex and hard that sometimes when we, we get, we act like we're in a vacuum and we have these books and these, Mm -hmm, we read these blogs and we get all worked up about, yeah, she's right. That is happening. And I do see that. And then you see your own church and you start to see all of the negative things in your own church. Mm -hmm, Like you start building up a narrative in your mind, like that's happening even here, but it's like. You no, know, like deal with real people, have real conversations, yeah. you know, in a loving way. Yeah. Um, and listen. It's, it's good stuff.
2: Uh, yeah. I love that. I mean, one of the thoughts, so um, Tally and I are this Saturday doing the uh, Great Marriage Seminar, which is our premarital counseling. We inherited it from the D's who did an amazing job. So we have, you know, I think it's- It's t- so much better now, guys. It's so much better now. <laughs> Hardly, if you but- went through
1: great marriage under me and Paige's leadership, I'm sorry. <laughs> you should have waited a couple
2: years to get married
1: until Jordan and Tally took over. Right.
2: So, it, you know, it's 12 couples. And so we're going to teach a lot of material, but then, you know, they're going to be connected to a mentoring couple for the purpose of working out, okay, what do these principles look like in your life? And mm-hmm. I think particularly with, you know the, these roles of the husband and wife, authority and submission, leader and helper. Um, we we oftentimes uh, assume a practice that we've seen is the principle. So, and oftentimes it's our parents, right? We we see our parents acting in certain ways. You know, our mm-hmm. our mom being submissive and never talking and never challenging, or her being domineering. You know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. and we assume, oh, that's what it is or isn't. And and so one of the things we do in our premarital counseling is work through, okay, let's let's first look at the principle. Mm-hmm. What is God what's the good order that God has given to us for the purpose of human flourishing as a husband and wife? And then let's in community to your yeah. point work out, okay, what does this look like? Mm-hmm. And it may look different for Tally and I than you and Matt and mm-hmm. you and Paige, but we all agree on the principles. Yeah. Now let's work it yeah. out. And we're not trying to explain. And I them think that way. doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. right. That oftentimes doesn't happen. And yeah. and so we just we then like pivot and we react to certain things and right. it becomes much more challenging. And right. I
1: think that is such a good word. We're we're reacting against the practice, not the principle. Mm-hmm. And trying to understand the principle um is, is really what as what you said, Jennifer, it's this project that we all have as a local church. Together yeah. we are Trying to understand what God has revealed and how we work that in our lives. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a lot more we could say. I mean, we kind of just been on like marriage, but but really all of these um, all of these principles apply to any kind of authority uh, under authority kind of um, paradigm. You know, I actually was with a guy. Just met a guy last night, and um, he, you know, so much of his story was a reaction mm. against what I'll call the exasperational uh efforts of his parents. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, again, I think, man, parenting, I, I, I want to be merciful and generous Nothing to any parent. You like right. That. Exactly. Yeah. Like I <laughs> truly <yeah>. humbled. <laughs> and 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 husband and wife. I mean right, you know, I, I mean I have yeah. yeah, so none of these things I am like claiming expertise on. I'm trying <laughs> to work out God's principles. But gosh, parenting um Uh, is such a challenge Um, and so I you know whoever this yes parents are I mean I I don't point any fingers at them I'm sure they acted in total love but it's just so interesting I do think this is another one of those positions of authority that God has given that's good parents um, and children but that we can miss on on either side. And, and on Sunday, I talked about on one side, there's the no discipline side, right? Mm-hmm. There's no order, there's no structure. Uh, there's no training in the Lord. There's no uh, discipling in the instruction of God. Mm-hmm. On the other side, there's exasperation yeah. where there's um, a sense of heavy handedness. This was on the the worker side. But you know the 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 warning against masters to quit threatening your servants and there's and again it's not that there's never discipline or punishment in parenting but I do think that parents can rather you know patiently and lovingly instruct their children they they fall over into this exasperating their children by threatening them into some sort of a behavior yeah. rather than training them up um, in the fear and love of God and instruction of the Lord so yeah. you guys are both way better parents than I am. So I'd ro- I'd really rather hear from y'all on this uh, uh, hardly than, than for me. Hardly. So. Parenting right? yeah,
2: humbles you like nothing else. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, I I think one of one of the things that Tally and I are trying to remember as we parent our five kids, oldest is 16, youngest is 6, so it's a pretty wide range, is that our authority is helping them understand that they have a greater authority, i.e. the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, because otherwise it, it, I can take things very personally very quickly and get to that point of exasperation where I'm threatening them, why? Not because they're sinning against the Lord, but because they're inconveniencing me. They're, right. they're going against right. something that I said, right. doggone it, and they need to be punished for that. Yeah. Um, but like our goal, one of our main goals when our kids eventually leave the house, hopefully, is that they understand that their lives are under the authority of God. Yeah. And if we don't help them understand that there is authority in the Lord's good order of this world, then we're actually doing them a disservice because if they, you know, if we never discipline them, if we never correct them, if we're always extending, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances, right. mm-hmm. they're going to go into life thinking that about God right, right. like oh right. this is the way that works like right. I can I can sin I can rebel I can do what I want and it'll be fine you're reinforcing a lie right mm-hmm. and it, you know and so it just it, it gives a sense of um, both gravity but then also intentionality to okay no this is important that right. I you know, hold to when they're supposed to go to bed or, you know, yes. whatever the whatever the yes. issue might be. Yeah. Not primarily because of my own authority, but I'm I need to help them understand that there's yeah. a greater authority they have to submit to.
3: Yeah. You're parenting them towards freedom. Like ultimately you want them to right. put them, you know, put their faith in Christ. Um and so you're preparing their hearts to submit in the way that will ultimately, you know, lead to their salvation. So you don't want to thwart that, but you're also Parenting them, exercising authority in a way that um, is, you're leading them to freedom. You don't want them to be, uh, you know, slaves to their go to bed when they want to, do right. what they want to, That's right. never do their homework. I mean, yeah. you your don't appetites have to be the, aren't ultimate. Yeah. And you'll never, you'll understand that really well when you have a child. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah you right. see like, they never make the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Like when they're, you know, like they're always going to choose the thing that will hurt them. And so you're like, Oh wow. So again, it just points to like the submission order is, it's a representative drama of Christ or God, God the Father and yeah. us as his children.
2: When I lo- yeah, I love your point about freedom. You know, in the creative world, there's a lot of talk about there's actually greater freedom if you put boundaries and limitations on yourself. Yes. Whereas we carry this idea that, oh no, it's it's endless options. Like that that's where yeah. I'm most creative. And it's actually no, it's no. It's, it's oftentimes the opposite. I yeah. need to constrain myself. Because in constraining myself, I actually see that there's freedom within that. There's actually greater freedom within that. And I think to your point, like when I recognize that, oh no, the Lord's ways are best. Mm-hmm. There's actually a lot of freedom in that mm-hmm. because yeah. I don't, I don't have to question like, wait, yeah. is there some rival right good yeah. out yeah. here, yeah. you know, that I might pursue? Right. No, and that's actually
3: clear. very motivating as a parent when you can go to that place instead of being like. Uh, I'm just trying to make someone act the way I want them and <laughs> that that's exhausting. I mean it's hard enough as a parent without putting that extra pressure on yourself. Um but no, doing it for the Lord. Like mm-hmm. again, representing realizing this is love. This is um you know who he is. It's, when it's really uh, to yeah
2: say. to help them get to a place where they're actually sensitive and responding to God's spirit yeah. in them, yeah. right? Yeah. Cuz there are yeah. there are a lot of gray things too in this life, right? It's all not yeah. it's not all like black and white mm-hmm. there are wisdom issues and I just think like that's part of our training and instruction is you can go to the lord to ask for wisdom mm-hmm. and and he can lead you and guide you there's uh
1: three other kind of categories we talked about and and we've talked a lot about work and so I want to kind of pass that one but real quick I mean even just listening you all talk about parenting I do think like that so applies to church leadership and and how we want to lead the church I mean even uh i think it's the, it's the it's the lazy pastor that on one side is you know careless right and yeah. there's mm-hmm. no church role there's no sense of accountability there's no sense of membership you just kind of do whatever you want to do mm-hmm. that's an unbiblical form of the church clearly right. from the hebrews passage we looked at um and it certainly doesn't serve god or his people but on the other side, I think there's like kind of a lazy pastor and that is like so harsh, right? Yeah. And and there's no yeah. room for love and mercy. It's almost like your your goal, you know, one of the things I tell guys that are a little younger that, you know, start learning about church discipline and start reading these books and stuff. And again, I mean, that's that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm but i'm like the the goal is not to have a really clean church role yeah. like that's like <laughs> that's not the goal here like, the cannot, goal is yeah. to care for people faithfully and right. well yeah. and so yes i think some people can be too heavy-handed because they just want them to behave our goal is really not in it's like in the christian life or in parenting or in pastoring it's not ever behavior modification, right? Right. I mean, now sometimes that is a common grace that someone's behavior might be somewhat controlled. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's in every instance, right? I mean, um, I I want people to have a heart to obey the law, but you know, having police officers that pull them over if they start speeding is a common grace, right? (laughs) Right. Because sometimes behavior modification is serves as a common grace, but the ultimate goal is not that our behavior would be bent yeah. towards something. It's that our hearts would be bent toward knowing and loving God. And yeah. so and so. I think that's the, I mean, when you think about parenting and when you think about church leadership, it's, it's a lot of the same kind of idea there yeah. of, okay, how do we as a, you know, think of us, our job as elders, Jordan, like how do we as like fathers of the congregation and obviously – for you, Jennifer, as a, a leader, as a, a you know, it's to a woman that, that are shepherding, discipling our women in the congregation. How how are we like pulling, moving, encouraging, leading our people to love God um, and to know God? Um, that's the goal, yeah. and and I think that we'll have to give an account for how we do that, and yeah. and that is an amazingly high calling.
2: Yeah, and uh, and sadly, I mean, to your earlier point, so much of people's resistance to this whole idea is because of abuse of power and 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 you, it within the church. And you see that, I mean, the, the Israelites dealt with that. You know, um, I think what we have to remember is that there is a goodness to God's order and structure where, you know, I often say like people at their best can reflect God to us, but they never should define God for us. Mm-hmm. And I think that 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 has to be a category for us because I mean I, I have sat across from people who have been broken mm-hmm. by right by sin right. of church leaders and it yeah. it breaks my heart. Um, but I also like try to come alongside them and helping them see like your God can be trusted mm-hmm. in what He has intended for this world. And you know, and so then we each have a call from the Lord in terms of what that actually looks like. But um, I just, it, it, I, I know that, you know, there are probably people listening to this podcast that have been hurt, you know, sinned against by church leaders. And, and I just want to appeal to, you know, what you talked about on Sunday, just like that God has created good good things mm-hmm. that that sin has distorted, yeah. but God is still at work.
1: And I'm one of those people, right? I mean, like, I, you know, I was, I've, I know I've told both of you this. I'm actually kind of glad that early on in my kind of adult life, there was some major like failures in leadership like around me. And it, it helped me to understand what you're saying there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I was able to, in a sense, kind of like deconstruct those experiences of like, and even those leaders, like what of, Their lives and what of their instruction was really, really good and of the Lord and was helpful to me, Mm -hmm. and what of their lives and what of their instruction was actually not from the Lord, and you know, and 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 being able to do that, and I think that to your point earlier, like we 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 can do that in community, and like I I needed older men in my life as a twenty you know two year old or whatever trying to wade through some of these things, I needed people to help me figure that out yes. right i just didn't have the wisdom or the ability to do that and so and again i think that gets back to um you know the church leader i actually mm-hmm. <laughs> even though i had hurt by some <laughs> leaders in my church i actually needed other leaders right. in my yes. church to, to, help to help me you. grow in yeah. godliness yeah. and
3: we need each other i think in this church context and just again speaking as a woman um and all these questions about you know um qualified men in authority in the church and what can a woman do? And obviously I realize that's a, that's a whole conversation about uh, men and women in the church. But this whole holding up this beauty, this glory of God that we are trying to reflect in authority and submission makes it so much more, I'm so much more willing to participate in that structure than in a you know something that we've seen that's been hurtful or abusive or yeah. even hints at this kind of... Um, thing that that we've already talked about, but again, just for the women, I would also say appeal to you to stay in it, like to bring mm-hmm. your strengths yeah. and your self to the church, and know that your elders are um doing their best to exercise this authority in humility yeah. and in service to others. But like like you said, Jason, like we need each other. Like we need to learn from each other. Yes. We need to listen. Um, and, and that's you
1: know old and young, male, female, yes, exactly.
3: And um, yeah. but that is what is going to make it possible to even uh, you know reflect this beauty.
2: Well, that I love. I mean, we keep talking about flourishing, right? But yeah, it this is so important as you understand. Okay, what is the role of the pastor shepherd? It's to equip the saints for the work of ministry, right? To to build them up and equip them so that mm-hmm. they can. Use their gifts to bless and serve, you know, minister yeah. to one another. And I, mean, I just say, I mean, with the men and women thing in the church, it's like the vast, 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 vast majority of commandments of the Lord to Christians are to Christians, men, yeah. and, women, <laughs> men and women, right? right. <laughs> the They're fruits of the spirit. How we're called to do these things, minister to the one another's, yeah, you know? mm-hmm. the one another's. How are we mm-hmm. doing these things as men and women? So, you know, the it, in a god fine church, I think the pastor's role is to intentionally try to lead people into flourishing, yes. right? flourishing in their walks right. with Christ, flourishing in the gifts that God's given to them.
1: Well, and even even that passage that you're kind of like riffing on there, yeah. uh, we looked at it actually a few weeks ago, yeah, yeah. Like, each part has to work that's properly right. yep. mm-hmm. so that the whole can grow can up flourish. into yeah. the fullness of Christ, yeah. right? yes. each part. And I think that's really, really important. And I mean, even to like this whole conversation, like the last thing, that you want in a local church context is like groups of people warring with each other. It's right. it's recognizing right. like there's an order about this, and we trust one another, and no one's here to like serve or aggrandize themselves. We're we're here to actually give our lives, lose our lives, and, and this is a good warning to people that are in a position of authority, like mm-hmm. each of us have a position of authority in our church, um, and people under authority. You know, yeah. it's a good word. We each all we all have to use. The gifts that God's given us to pursue mutual flourishing. Okay, I, I I mean, politics. Like, I feel like there's like (laughs) it's like the last one, and I feel like we probably are out of time. Um, I want to say one thing on this real quick, and I kind of gave the warning like, um, we should honor people in position of authority. Um, we certainly can disagree, but we shouldn't um do so in a disparaging or disrespectful kind of way. And I think the one thing I would say too is like, especially for those of you who post things on social media, like the people that the Lord has put in your life that he wants you to be an ambassador to, follow you on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And some of them may disagree with you politically, right? Now, people that agree with you may get a rise at it, may like your post or whatever. But how are you being an ambassador for the Lord to people who disagree with you. And and I I want to live my life, not that I I mean, there's some things that I need to speak to. There's some things that I um but I always want to do so um with dignity and honor. And and I would and and any opponent that I would have, like if I ever am debating someone or disagreeing with something, I would want them to say, Jason and I disagree, but he's always treated me with kindness and honor and dignity. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and I do think that that, how do you apply Romans 13 in yeah. an American context? I mean, again, yeah. this is not a democratic context that Paul's writing with him, but yeah. how do we apply that in an American context where it's it's certainly not saying never have a different position, uh, never run against somebody, never campaign against somebody. It's not saying that. It's right. not yeah. saying just accept the way things are. Yep. I do think the application in American context of Romans 13 is if you're gonna have political opponents, but make sure that you treat them with the kind of love and dignity and honor and respect, that um, is evidence that you're trusting the Lord, um, is evidence that you see that you're ultimately under God's authority and that's pleasing to Him. Right, So
2: yeah, I I was just looking at the verses before Romans 13 to the end of Romans 12, and I, It just reminds me how far we've gotten from what it looks like to live as a follower of Jesus, and and the like climate that we're we're in. You know, you you read these things. I'm wondering whether we should do a sermon series on this. You let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who leave. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. <laughs> Never be wise in your own sight. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> golly, we need to apply some of those things right uh, in all areas of our life. But you know, particularly when it comes to politics, mm-hmm. and it's just you know, even living in D.C. for a time, it's just you can get swept up into this po- political way of communicating. Mm-hmm which inherent in that is that everybody else on the other side is the enemy. I need to win right. the votes right. in order to get in power and the, the the best way to do that is to demonize your opponent. Yes. Yes. You don't wanna focus on what you're in agreement right. in, you wanna focus on what what is in opposition. Right. Yeah. And it's like we cannot submit to that when it comes to how we think through yeah politics because god has a better way and and again to your point it doesn't mean that we can't fight for what's good that can't doesn't mean that we shouldn't work you know to change systems and whatever but it does mean that we follow a greater king with different rules than what politics american politics has created That's right. godlessness doesn't lead
1: to godliness right right and i think a lot of christians kind of have this mindset of like well i have to adopt this secular form Of political banter and political uh you know advancement in order to put in place uh better political candidates Mm -hmm. that will defend godliness right Mm -hmm. and i would just say that does that does not you might you might achieve those um ends but you're not going to achieve godliness you're not going to achieve something that's pleasing to the lord and i just
2: say it like it's it's hard right now. It's confusing. I mean, I, I, I've been like doing a lot of reading on just technology and social media and communication and how that's changed. And I, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's confusing of how, how do you, to your point, how do you speak like Christ in this environment where it seems like the only way you get noticed is to, you know, go into this, form of communication that is extreme and so that's where we i mean to your point jennifer earlier like that's where we need community we need to as a church be thinking through these things yeah
3: and we need god's word to remind us of what we actually if you have the truth and you have this knowledge of god and this relationship with him and this beauty it's really just unbelief to sink to to you're debasing that argument i mean you stand on the greatest argument that there is like you're you want the godliness you want the word of god you want these truths so don't debase your argument by entering into these kind of behaviors that you know like where you're attacking the person right. and you're belittling people and right. god's image it's like you're actually belittling your own argument like we as christians don't need to do that so it actually is a it's unbelief in our heart that somehow god needs our help and that these other you That's know right. things yeah. will help him along but yeah. no stay stay true to Christ and his word
1: uh, how long are we how long are we at will where where are we sitting at almost 50 okay well i think we may have had a longer talk back i was going to say this might be the longest talk back on right <laughs> here, but i That's think okay. we i think we've gone was, an hour It was a good length we've yeah. covered yeah. a lot yeah. Of ground. yeah. Well, uh, this has been super helpful for me and um, so Jennifer, Jordan, thank you guys so much and, and hopefully it was helpful for you. I do want to say as we kind of go off the air, if, if you ever have like any questions or thoughts or comments about the sermon, um, go ahead and let me know. You can email those, you can text them to us. Uh, we want to hear from you. You can call us. I mean, we want to hear from you and we will try to address those as we do these sermon talkbacks, but... Uh, I do appreciate you listening. So for Jordan Coughlin and Jennifer McClish, I'm Jason Dees.
0: Once again, thank you for listening to the Sermon Talkback podcast. If you have any other questions after listening, or if there's anything else you'd like to discuss with one of our pastors, please don't hesitate to engage our text-to-pastor line at 404-465-1737. And once again, if you'd like to find more resources from our church like this one, please visit ChristCovenant.com forward slash resources. Thank you and have a blessed week.